This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. Hey, Bible nerds. Today we're talking about Moses. Let's take a closer look. How you doing? I'm good. Good? Yeah, I'm good. You good? Doing good. Got to play a little golf today. Yep. I whooped Clayton 11 to 4 in a putting comp. Yeah, whatever. I, I still made probably the coolest putt. I've ever made you did um, in this competition. Yep. So I'm taking that as a win. Yeah. It was like an 18 foot putt. It, and it I had the, the line and the pace just right. It was perfect. No, it wasn't perfect. If Clayton, if Clayton didn't hit the pin, it was going 18 feet by. But it went the hole. It, so it, it was, was perfect. It was. It looked perfect. It, Anybody watching that doesn't know golf would have been like, "That is a perfect putt." Yeah. It. It was blazing. By the hole, though, if it doesn't hit the pin, <laughs> it was gone. It was fun, though. We yeah. had fun. We did have fun. It was good. It rained a little bit today. Greens were really slow. But it was. And that that made it hard. Yeah, that I don't like them hard. when they're that slow. Anyways, so we're talking about Moses again. Yeah. We talked about Moses a little bit last week, specifically his two yeah. moms. But now we're actually going to talk about Moses. Yeah, and this is interesting. Um, it's interesting that we've come to this text in a closer look because it really does go hand in hand with our conversation in Pints and Perspectives right now. Because mm. the way Hebrews retells this story, the author of Hebrews massages however you want. He just gets it wrong. He does not record the story the way that it's recorded. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so in Hebrews 11, we're introduced into the faith of Moses' mother in verse 23. In verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. First of all, it it doesn't say that he says that anywhere. Mm-mm. Second, verse 26 says, he considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. That's that's true. Sure. That's true. 27, by faith he left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger, anger for he persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. That that is literally just in direct contradiction to what the text says in Exodus. Mm. Exodus says, but Moses fled from Pharaoh. Oh, sorry. Uh, This is Exodus 2, verse 14. He answered, who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? This is when he, after he kills the Egyptian, he shows up and right, the, the two Hebrews are fighting and that, he confronts them. taskmaster, yeah. Well, no, he kills the taskmaster. Right. And then the next day he just sees two Hebrew people right, fighting right. each other. Right. He says, and they responded, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? 
Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard it, uh, heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh. He literally runs because he's afraid. Yeah. But in Hebrews, by faith he left for Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger. That's just not what the text says. Are we, just out of curiosity, are we sure that the author of Hebrews is talking about this specific text mm-hmm. and not talking about the actual Exodus? Mm-mm. The next verse in Hebrews 11 talks about the Exodus because it says, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Mm. That's the verse about the Exodus. So you th- you don't think that they're one and the same? But no, one's before the burning bush and one's after. Okay. Okay. You see what I'm saying? I, I hear your argument. Um, I'm just wondering are we positive that the author of hebrew isn't talking about the actual exodus the whole time are we sure he's talking about this specific well, he says text? by faith he left egypt unafraid of the king's anger yeah could he be talking about um leaving with the israelites i don't think so because then the next then the next verse would be out of character or out of place because that's talking about the 10th plague you get what I'm saying? We'd be backtracking in the story when the story's developing, at least through through the first part, we're introduced to his mother, and then we're told he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. That's just daughter, uh, Pharaoh's daughter's son. Yeah, we're I mean, we're just not told that. Choosing rather to share Ill, Ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He does that, yeah, but not necessarily intentionally. He considered abuse suffered. Greater than that, he didn't actually suffer any abuse, by the way. Uh, And he leaves, by faith, he left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger. When you cross-reference it with Exodus 2, those are used in conjunction when he's leaving, when he's fleeing after he killed the Egyptian. And then it goes to the Passover. I think think it tracks narratively through to that point. Yeah. Okay. And I think the author of Hebrews just got it wrong. I think I see what you're saying. And and once again, as we talked about, if this is interesting to you, go listen to our series on Pines and Perspectives about the Bible. Start with the first episode. Don't yeah, just jump yeah, in yeah, where yeah. we are now. I start with the first episode. It's called What is the Bible? Um, but this is just one of those moments where the story doesn't line up the way yeah. that it's told later in the New Testament. Um, but as such... We're using Hebrews 11 as the lens through which we're looking at these Old Testament characters. And Moses is an interesting story. So as we looked at last week, he's Hebrew-born, but uh, he's given up to the house of Pharaoh. He grows up in Pharaoh's house and... One day, as Clayton alluded to, he happens to be walking through um, a construction zone and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, a taskmaster, as Clayton called him. So Moses murders him. <laughs> yeah, straight up just kills him. Straight up. That, like, Moses kills him. And I'm pretty sure, I'm going to look it up right now, 
pretty sure the text says, yeah, verse 12, he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, you build these these narratives around the text, like based on your own imagination and whatever, right? Um, and suggestive things that you learned as a kid. Yeah. yeah. You remember those little pictures that used to accompany like Bible stories in, in Sunday school? Yeah, 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 the little like poster pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whenever this story was told um, with those little pictures, it always showed him like holding a rock and <laughs> and that's how I always pictured it. But now as an adult, like I'm replaying that and I'm like, that Egyptian had a whip probably, or like some sort of weapon beating yep. this, this Egyptian. Do you think, yep. do you really think Moses came up with a rock and killed this nah, guy? <laughs> nah. Moses probably had a sword too. And great. Yeah. Annihilates this dude. Yeah. Like it's just, I don't know. I just think it's funny. Yeah, I just I don't know just how all that played in my brain. I thought it was funny. Yeah, it just—it's just weird. (laughs) It's just a weird deal. Like now, here's the deal though. It it right out of the gate, it shows us that when Moses comes of age, he's a person that's angered by injustice. Mm. Um, He's an eight. Uh, he could be an eight. That is very true. He could also be a one. He could also be a one. Well, maybe not because I don't know that any, well, maybe a really unhealthy one would get to a place where it's okay to kill, but, um, an eight would definitely do this. Yeah, probably so. Um, that is a very good redeeming quality of Moses Mm. that he is a person in pursuit of justice. Yeah. Um, that is a characteristic within Moses that reflects the character of God. That's naturally inerrant to him. Right. Remember he's, he's brought up by his Hebrew mom. Yeah. And so he knows the Hebrew culture. He knows the Hebrew faith. He knows Yahweh or knows of Yahweh. Right. But now he reaches of age and he's just seen this injustice year after year after year. He's like, this. I'm, I've had enough. So he kills the Egyptian. Now also notice how the author of Hebrews tells that part of the story. By faith, Moses, when he's grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth then the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith he left Egypt unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who was invisible. What did the author of Hebrews just say? Nothing about Moses is murder. Yeah. That that's straight murder. Selective storytelling here is what the author of Hebrews is doing. Which I think is really telling for what's happening here. Because even the author of Hebrews wants to make these patriarchs of the faith greater than what they are. Mm. They're just everyday people like you and me. And they make mistakes just like you and me. 
Yeah. Make mistakes just like our listeners. What makes Moses a hero is not that he was perfect. What makes Moses a hero is not that he didn't have any quote-unquote big sins in his life. Think if we're doing a hierarchy of sin, which Wellhouse rejects that idea, but if we're doing a hierarchy of sin, murder kind of at the top. Sure. I mean, what I say is if you were going to have a hierarchy of sin, the things that go at the top of it are things that are done direct harm to the image of God. Sure. Murder, rape, abuse, those types of things are, are done that things that affect the image of God are the things that go at the top, which is also the reason I say that there is no sin hierarchy because every sin is against the image of God. But murder is probably the ultimate act of sin against the image of God. But the author of Hebrews doesn't mention that at all. Because he's trying to tell this story as if Moses is something greater than he is. Moses has redeeming qualities. Moses has things about him that are very good. His need for justice, his desire for seeking justice, um, his challenge to injustice, and his faith. Yeah, Moses does have immense faith. Absolutely. But we also see Moses screw up. Yep. At one point, God tells Moses to strike the rock and water will come out of it, right? Cool. Moses listens, which immense faith. Yep. At one point, the Israelites are in a battle and God says, if you keep your staff held above your head, they will not, you will not lose. But Moses gets tired and the staff begins to fall down and the Israelites start to lose. So Moses brings people in to hold his arms up and the Israelites win. Moses has immense faith and does things that are crazy in the name of faith. Yeah. But Moses is also a proud person, which is the same reason he killed the Egyptian and is evidenced by the second time he needs to get water for his people. The first time God said, strike the rock. The second time God said, speak to the rock. Moses struck it. Why? Because he's angry. Because he's mad. Now, water still came out, but it cost them entering the promised land. Yeah. Moses is just a normal dude like you and I. Which, there's a lot, there's a lot happening there between the striking the rock and speaking to the rock. There's a lot happening there theologically. Well, there's um, a lot happening about Moses that we can't cover in one podcast. Oh God, no. But the, the one thing that I actually want to go to with the, the striking the rock when he was supposed to speak to it, God still provided even through Moses's sin. Well, be, just because Moses was a bad leader didn't mean the people of God were, weren't still in need. Exactly. That's the deal. God provided for his people in spite of a poor leader. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. That just shows that, you know, a, a lot of people like to talk about the God of the Old Testament being like way more wrathful. No, no, not there. No, not there. That was extremely gracious. Yeah, for sure. So now truth is what, I mean, well, there are lots of ways that plays out, but Moses sure. hits the rock and go, God, what happened? He goes, dude, I told you to talk to him. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a weird exchange there. I think that, uh, that could play out, but 
that's the thing that I think is so, so impactful for me it, using Hebrews 11 as the lens through which we read this text for, for this one is because the author is clearly trying to make Moses out for more than he is. Yeah. He's just a normal dude and normal people make mistakes and that's okay. Like that's the deal. I think we've, we've created a narrative for ourselves that Christians have to be these kind of perfect ultimate people and not to say we shouldn't strive for that. I mean, truly, if our goal is to find the ultimate place where we participate in godness, then yeah, we would be experiencing that. Yeah. But I think we don't give our, we know that God can give us grace, but we don't give ourselves enough grace. Mm. We hold ourselves to a standard that God doesn't hold us to. Yeah. Moses, as we talked about last week, Moses is a restorer of a nation. Yeah. And yet he does some really heinous crap. I mean, he does a lot of things really, really wrong. But he also does a lot of things really, really right. And it's not its not a putting it on a scale and the good outweighs the bad kind of situation. I do think the author of Hebrews gets it right at the end, Hebrews 11 is really, really telling in verse 28. I, th- I think the author of Hebrews is wrong in verse 27. Moses runs because he's afraid. Like, they're, they're just wrong there. They're trying to tell this story in a way that even the text doesn't lend us to, to go there. But in 28, by faith... He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. That's true. That, that's really true. And, and the reason that's, that's impactful is because when you go back to Exodus, these plagues, so Moses leaves and then he flees to Midian and he marries this Midianite girl um, I can't remember her name. Does it even tell us her name? Not that I know of. Not that I remember. It's Jethro's daughter. Yeah, that's all we know. But I don't remember. I'm sure she's named somewhere else. But she's not a she's not a big character throughout Moses's story. Um. And he gave Moses his daughter. Oh, Zipporah. There she is, Zipporah. Um, so Moses leaves and he marries this Midianite woman. And then he's doing some work for his father-in-law Jethro in Midian. And God appears to him in a burning bush and said, this is where we get the famous I am who I am statement. And Moses and, and God sends Moses back to Egypt to confront Pharaoh. And I think that alone takes immense faith Yeah, to go back to the dude that you know will remember you and want to kill you. Well, hold on. At the end of chapter 2, verse 23, after a long time the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out, um, 
blah, 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 blah. So this is a new Pharaoh. This is Pharaoh's son. Yeah, but the guy that he grew up with. Yeah, making so that's it right, even we, more personal. Right, right, right. Remember, Moses grows up in this family, this household. Yeah. And so he basically brothers with this guy. Yeah. And so this guy knows what Moses did. Um, that's not going away. And so I think it takes immense faith for Moses to even go back. Yeah, absolutely. Moses is a person of faith. Don't miss that. But as the plagues start happening, it's interesting. The warlocks of Pharaoh can do some of the same plagues. Yep. Like they can recreate some of the things that are happening. But when God sends the 10th plague, the angel of death comes over every house in all of Egypt. And he tells them, kill a lamb, put lamb's blood over the doorpost. And if you do, your firstborn will be spared. Everybody that doesn't, I'm going to kill the firstborn which is a huge deal in the ancient world because they're the carry-on of the name. They're the one that receives the inheritance. If you have five boys, it don't matter. The first one receiving the lion's share of the inheritance. Like, the firstborn is the one. And here we go, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill your future if you don't do it. And Moses has been watching all these other plagues that God's doing and then watching these warlocks and wizards do do the same plagues in their own power. Moses didn't have to have faith in that moment. Yeah. But he did. He has faith in the Israelite people. They have faith. They put lamb's blood over the doorpost. And that's the one that pushes Pharaoh over the edge and sends everybody home. That's the one. It's, It's because of Moses' faith as a leader that the Israelite generation, the the people that he is bringing about to restore, largely could have ended right then had his faith not carried over into them the first the death of the firstborn is kind of a big deal don't miss the fact that egypt is no longer a world power after this moment yeah their firstborn the the people that are going to carry on all die and then they all die chasing the Israelites in the, Re- in the Reed Sea. Don't miss that Moses' faith is the one that brings about this restoration. The author of Hebrews gets that part right. The part that I want the listeners to know is that just because you're a flawed human being doesn't mean that you can't be used by God for the restoration of people the same way Moses was.